Welcome to Digital Podcaster Podcast. My name is Dylan Schmidt, and I'm super excited today to share my fun conversation with public speaking coach Ron Cahoon. Ron Cahoon lives in Hawaii, and he is just an awesome, awesome guy. I met him on Instagram, and we connected, and his sense of humor, I feel like, just meshes so well with mine. Um, it's so you'll hear a lot of laughing in this podcast. And, uh, you know, public speaking is one of those things that could be bland, right? I know for myself, at least when I think of public speaking, I think of, I don't know, I just think of like stale. I think of corporate. I think of lack of personality. I think of just kind of watching a presentation. I think of PowerPoint. I think of not very creative. I think of just boring font (laughs) on the slides. I don't know. It just doesn't really like spark creativity when I think of Uh, presentations, things like that. And what I find fascinating about Ron is that he takes a subject like public speaking or presenting, but he delivers it, the content in this fun way that is just easy to enjoy. It's easy to get excited about. And he injects his humor and personality into what he does. And you'll find that really easily. And there's a formula behind what he does too, which I didn't know really going into the conversation, which I was really excited to learn about during the conversation. So please enjoy my conversation with Ron Cahoon. I'm saying that right, right, Cahoon? That's right. Yeah. And you're in Honolulu. Yes. Beautiful. And just so all of us who are indoors right now, and I know you're indoors right now, probably. How's it in Honolulu right now? What's what's the weather like today? Can we get a check-in? Well, I'm looking out, out the window at the beach and I see that it is overcast at the moment. Mm. That's nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, can you see, you can see the beach from your window? Yeah, it's right there. That is just, let's just all imagine, imagine we're with Ron right now in Honolulu looking at the beach. It's overcast, but after this episode, we can go dip our toes in the water and maybe go down a water slide because I've seen you post going down a water slide uh, on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I live about a mile from Waikiki Beach and the beach across the street from my house is Ala Moana Beach Park. So people who are familiar with Honolulu who have been here before will know where it is. Oh, beautiful. I hope uh, I get to come one day and visit you there. But I got to try something. <laughs> Coming to you live from Ala Moana Beach Park. i was just telling ron before um, we went into this episode that i've said that uh not recorded with every guest i've interviewed on digital podcaster i've like changed personas just to see how they react because i have a sense of humor that like i don't always check with people before i don't know it's you don't uh, don't have much time and i was like i'm not going to say it before this episode with ron and ron didn't know i used to say that and Ron said it and I, and I didn't say it. And so Ron's kept the streak going of me switching personas of, all right, now we've got a radio show announcer. So Ron, (laughs) Ron is a, how, how would you describe yourself, Ron? I'll just, I am a presentation coach. I help business professionals who struggle with presentation fear, speak with confidence, competence, and clarity so that they can achieve positive presentation results. I did that for many years in South Korea. I worked with the Seoul Tourism Organization to help them win international conferences to be hosted in the city. I helped them win 36 international conferences. We attracted 100,000 people and generated millions and millions of dollars for the city. And how, 
you can so you can win awards with presentations. What or, do you mean? Did you say or did if I understood correctly? Uh, did, wait, did you say something about winning awards with presentations? Okay, let me share with you specifically what I did for a soul tourism organization. So let's say that a professional association like the Korea Medical Association wants to host an international conference in the city, then they have to compete against other cities and other countries. For example, there may be the American Medical Association, French Medical Association, Indonesian Medical Association, and they all want they all belong to the International Society of Medical Organizations. And every two or three years, organizations like that have international conferences. And then the reason why they would want to host a conference in their city is because it would attract thousands of professionals to come. And then they contribute a lot of money to the local economy. Yeah. So the way we win is initially there's a a written bid that says, hey, we would like to host this conference in Korea. And then other countries submit their bid as well. And then they narrow it down to, say, three to five different countries that can give a presentation bid. My job was to coach the professional associations in Korea to give presentation bids against other countries. And then the best presentation wins the conference. Wow. So So that's one thing that I did. So it's probably obviously vitally important to have a solid presentation to to win the bid right that's what Absolutely. it's all about right so uh, i haven't told you this but okay. part of the uh reason and it's not like some like big i haven't told you this but ron i'm pregnant no right i'm with you so uh but why like specifically i i am super drawn to what you do is obviously the public speaking aspect of it and presentations is a big part of public speaking knowing what to say how to say it all that stuff i Am, I've been behind the scenes for years helping um, entrepreneurs. And last June, I started a digital podcaster and then I had to be in front of the camera more. And I kind of just kind of wing it as I go, but I don't have, you know, I, I haven't done like Toastmasters. I haven't done any formal public training. I just share how I share. And before we recorded, you know, like you asked how I would like kind of rate myself and, uh, pretty low. I don't have, I'm just winging it wrong. At the end of the day, I'm just winging it. I don't really know what I'm everybody doing. Everybody is. <laughs> is that the secret? Everyone's winging it? Yeah, everybody's winging it. I like, I have questions I would love to ask you. And normally, you know, well, I'll have experts on that. Maybe I have a familiarity with what they are a professional in. And I can kind of be like, oh, I'm asking this. I know maybe some of the answers, but with it comes to public speaking, like, it's people are so afraid of public speaking, of course, and presenting and feeling confident and all that stuff. It's a huge hang up for people. And I have more questions than I could possibly ask you in just this episode. But just to start out, how do you prepare a presentation for an audience you've never met? Situation dictates. It all depends. But if you're going to prepare a presentation for an audience you've never met, of course, you need to gather information about them. The ideal place to start is with the organizer or the person who invited you to give the talk. You can ask them questions about the audience. Who are they? How many are they? And get all the details. So, for example, you need to know what are their interests? Why are they interested in a talk from you? What's their current understanding of the topic? What are their beliefs surrounding the topic? 
What do you think they will agree and disagree with? And what will it be that motivates them to take action based on what you speak on? Wow. For example, I'm going to give a talk on Thursday at a Toastmasters club to a group of people that I've never met before. And when I said initially the situation dictates, so in this case, it's a small group, 26 people. I've met a few of them, but I don't know the rest of them. The person who invited me to come speak, she sent me a list of names of all the people that are going to come. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump on Facebook and I'm going to look at who all the people are. Why would I do that? Uh, not because I'm a psycho, <laughs> but because it'll make me feel more comfortable. It'll give me an understanding of, oh, yeah, okay, I can, I, I know who they are. It's not new to me. In, in other cases, you, you ask the organizer or you can research on the internet about the company, about the culture, and things like that. Gotcha. Do you have any other question related yeah, to yeah. that? A lot, but... But as far as that, so when you're in the preparation stage of it, you really just got to do your homework. It's not, there is uh there's not really winging it to feeling comfortable before you get on stage. I guess it's the homework that makes you feel more comfortable before you get on stage. Well, one of the reasons why people are fearful is because they're uncertain. They don't know what's going to happen there. And then to prepare one of the main things that we need to do is to eliminate as much uncertainty as possible. So for example, we need to understand our audience. We need to understand our content, our message. We need to understand the venue. We need to understand as many, in, as many variables as we can that make people feel nervous, eliminate the uncertainty, and then you'll be more certain. It's yeah. pretty straightforward and simple and we can all do it. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that. And I think it's, it seems like a, a vague road to get there. How long have you been in the public speaking? Profession? Yeah. In, in my case, the way I started to do this was I, okay, let's start back at the beginning. I was born September 30th, 1969 in Palo Alto, California. I graduated from high school at Tokay High School in Lodi, California in 1988. I joined the army. I was in the army from 1990 to 1994. I got out. Service. I studied at San Jose State University. I got a degree in marketing. After I got my degree in marketing, I worked for a semiconductor manufacturer in Silicon Valley doing product marketing. I was there for two and a half years. And then in 2001, the dot-com bubble burst and my company laid off 1,000 people, including me. And 999 of them were really sad. But in my case, I was really happy because I didn't really fit there. I felt like a cog in the machine. I wasn't really making contribution, but I did like getting paid and I needed a little push. So when I got laid off, I was happy, but at the same time, I didn't feel like going to work at any other company because I felt that corporate America, I was just a, a cog in the machine. And then I had served in, when I served in the army, I spent time in Korea I decided to go to Korea for adventure. I got a, a six-month contract in a city called Gyeongju to teach English to kids. And I was going to go there just for six months and then come back and get a quote-unquote real job. And then, uh, <laughs> then I stayed there for 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. And after, after I worked there for six months, then I started to work for a university teaching English. And then I worked for another university. And 
Then I got a master's degree in global logistics management from a Korean university, and I started to teach management in Korea. And once upon a time, or one day, I got an invitation to coach for Seoul Tourism Organization to help win a presentation bid like I we talked about earlier. And then we won a logistics conference. And from that time, when I won the logistics conference, I decided, hey, I'm going to start my own business in Korea, and I'm going to provide leadership and communication skills training to different organizations. So that's what I did. I started to do leadership and communication skills training, and then I really fell in love with the presentation part. I was a Toastmaster in Korea, and initially when I started, I was full of fear. I was terrified of speaking, but the encouragement that I received from the greatest club in the world, South River Toastmasters Club in Gangnam, really transformed my life. And then I was able to, I was able to help win a lot of conference because I developed my own tools and, and way of thinking about presentation. And I came up with the presentation superhero method, also known as the positive presentation method, because the well, let me ask you a question. What's the most important thing about any presentation? I was going to ask you that, but uh, I, don't actually, know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Most important thing about a presentation would be making sure that your audience understands what you're saying. Okay. Understanding is vitally important. If they, if they understand, you have the possibility to win. Many people, if you ask them, what's the most important thing about presentation, they'll give different answers like a confidence, a message. All of those things are important, but the most important thing is to achieve positive results. And so if we if we know that from the start, whatever presentation we're going into, it's like, what's the purpose? What is the result we're after? And then the next question is, how do we achieve that result? And there are three things that we need to achieve a positive result. You need a positive presenter plus positive content plus positive delivery equals positive results. So when I go into a coaching situation and I meet with somebody, I'm looking at, hey, are they a positive presenter? Is their content positive? Do they have positive delivery? And generally, the default with most of us is negative. We got negative presenter. They're so fearful. Got negative content. It's boring, confusing. Got negative delivery. It's also boring and confusing. And then it leads to a negative result. That's why most presentations are awful is because negative presenter, negative content, negative delivery equals negative result. So it's really simple for us to transform ourselves as we, we have to take a look and see, okay, how do I become a positive presenter? Positive presenters are people who experience positive emotions when they speak. Positive content makes life better. Positive delivery is engaging, exciting, and entertaining. Presentation is not rocket science. And then all we have to do is if we want to evaluate any presentation, we just look and see, okay, we have a positive presenter or negative presenter. We have positive content or negative content. We have positive delivery or negative delivery. And then we just make adjustments to make things better. And when you say positive, like my brain goes optimistic. Is that, okay. is that the same thing? Is that interchangeable? Well, here's the, the, the main thing is that when people have low-level presentation skills, and generally they feel nervous and fearful. So that's negative emotion. They're experiencing negative emotion because they can't control their own thinking. They're self-centered. They're thinking about themselves. I'm going to make a mistake. People are going to laugh at me. And they're uncomfortable because they have to get in front of a group of people and speak to them. And so all of their, their negative thinking 
makes them perform poorly. So we need to transform. We Actually, what we really need to do is we need to gain control of our thinking. Why are people nervous? Because they, they're not in control of their thoughts. If you can control your thoughts, positive thoughts create positive emotions, positive actions, positive results. But what we have is we have negative thoughts create negative emotions, negative actions, negative results. So when we talk about positive versus negative presenters, negative presenters are nervous and fearful. Nervousness and fearful is the starting point for failure. So we really need to learn how to transform from being nervous to being confident, to believe in ourselves. And then one way to do that is to share a message that you believe in. For example, the only reason why we should ever speak to an audience is because we want to help them and we help them with our message. So that's the positive content. Whenever we speak, it's, it's all about how can I help make their life better? That's the only reason why we're going to speak to anybody. If we can't make their lives better, then what's the point of speaking? It doesn't make any sense. But when you put together a message that you truly believe in, it's a virtuous circle between the presenter and the content. You can feel good. You stop thinking about yourself. You focus all of your effort on how can I make their life better? And then you're not even thinking about you and you transform from being fearful to joyful. And when you're joyful, people are more receptive to you and your ideas. So that's the real big difference between a positive presenter and a negative presenter is the emotions that you feel. Does that mean uh, you, you can feel negative emotions sometimes when you present if they are genuine and empathetic or people who have empathy for you? But if you are just self-centered and fearful, then no. That's fascinating. It makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense. I'm just making this about me for just a second. like Because... Okay. Because I've got no one else to analyze while we're talking. That makes sense because like naturally I'm a positive person. Like I see I'm very yes. optimistic. I'm very positive in my life. And when I share, it comes out because I'm not going to be like negative Nancy over here, you know, uh, shout out <laughs> to my friend, Nancy. She's actually really positive, but really nice. But uh, I'm you know just a positive person. And that comes out through that, which makes sense why people resonate. I guess unknowingly, I'm like doing that, I guess in some ways, what do you think are there like, is so, so positive thinking positive, how, like kind of the hang up I have, I guess, with presenting and I, and I got so many questions. I'm like trying to form them in my head. One. Okay. First I got to get out. Let's just click this off the brain for Toastmasters. For those who don't know, do you mind just sharing just a real quick little bit about what Toastmasters is? Yes. Toastmasters is a leadership and communication skills building club. They have meetings all over the world and you can find a meeting. Most likely you can find a meeting in your area or more by visiting toastmasters.org. The people in Toastmasters will help you, encourage you, provide a safe learning environment where you can go to a meeting, you can participate, you can give speeches and evaluate it, be evaluated and it, as I mentioned before, I was a member of South River Toastmasters Club. They really changed my life. And the, the way it happened was when I went there and I started speaking, I didn't have any belief in myself. I was nervous and afraid. I didn't even want to stand up and introduce myself to people because I was fearful. And then I gave my first speech and people wrote down some evaluation note to me. So maybe I got 15 to 20 little notes that said, you're awesome. You're amazing. 
And then because other people believed in me, then I started to believe in myself. And I think it's really important to get into an environment like that, because if we are alone and isolated, it's hard for us to develop. But if people tell you you're awesome, you're like, really? I am. And then you, you start to believe it. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That's the kind of environment. So one of the very best ways that you can develop your speaking skills is to join a Toastmasters club. And, and are they meeting virtually these days? Yeah, most clubs around the world are meeting virtually. Some are starting to get back to have in-person meetings, but because of the <laughs> situation, yeah, where the situation. This, this thing... <laughs> <laughs> this thing going on what's going on i didn't even maybe i missed it yeah, so <laughs> oh i got a self-inject yeah. <laughs> the home kit yeah anyhow kit. yeah it's a it's a great organization and uh i was involved with it in korea for many years and it's really awesome i think you'll love it you can meet yeah. people from all over the world yeah I'm well because it is yeah. virtual yes you can join clubs in virtually any country that has Toastmasters pub meetings. Yeah. So if uh, if you're afraid to join join somewhere that's not in your hometown, so that if they switch to in person, then you never have to see the people in person. That's a that's <laughs> not a great strategy, maybe. So <laughs> so what so look like talking one to one or even with a small group of people, it's like there's certain cues you can pull from the reaction, right? If I'm I'm speaking with you on okay. Zoom, but I can, you, you give me like real time feedback as far as your understanding what I'm saying and all that. Okay. I've always found it hard when presenting, whether it's even just recorded video, uh, either live or recorded video, just in general, like public would, uh, okay, let me ask you this. Would you consider like uh public speaking to be like, if you recorded a video for, for Instagram or YouTube or something like that, would that be considered public speaking? That's a good question. Let me think for a moment. To me, public speaking is anytime you're in public and you say something and somebody else hears it, I would consider I would consider this public speaking because even though we're not together, I'm speaking to you. So uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> speaking on video is public speaking. And like when you're in a room of people, you have that feedback. Yes. Even, even sometimes, like I've spoken in front of, somewhat large crowds, I think. And uh, it's hard for me to, even with a crowd of multiple people, when they're just like staring at you, mm -hmm. to know if it's coming across. You know, it's not like they're like, they can't hit the like, like button and, and they can't, you know, like they're not commenting because you're watching their faces and you're like, how do you know if what you're saying is getting across to them? How do you know if like you're actually being effective as a speaker? You're talking about a real audience? A real audience, but because it's kind of similar in a way to a virtual audience in a way where they're just kind of staring at you. Okay, go on. Yeah. You know, it's not like you can stop and be like, can you give me feedback on this as you're talking? Well, if you're speaking to a real audience and you feel as if everybody's just staring at you, most likely you're pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, most likely, right? Yeah. I kind of... Now, I have some confession to make, too, about video. I do not like video. I don't like 
I, it's been a real struggle for me. I really love to be with an audience because you do get immediate feedback. You do know what's happening with people. And then when you're just talking with a, a camera, it's very uncomfortable. We have very low level skills when it comes to communicating with the camera because we don't do it frequently. And many people, they never start. As you know, I'm pretty much a newbie to to Instagram. I'm learning it at the moment. And I, I didn't want to get on camera, but now I'm getting on camera every single day. I'm starting to believe in myself more that, oh yeah, you can make videos. Oh yeah, you can do this. And then my skill is improving. So the thing with the, the video or in-person, as your skill goes up, then fear goes down. But when we have low level skills, then we have high level fear. So the key to get rid of our fear is to develop higher level skills. Yes, that, that makes sense in my brain. That makes sense in my brain. And so it's, it's through the repetition that you start to get that. It's kind of like, you know, you're doing a good job when you get that, like the more you do it, the more, I guess that's, that's just the more you do it. Like you're not always going to get the feedback maybe that you want, especially in the moment, but getting over that fear of, is it good enough? that is how you get better at what you're doing. And the other thing is that uh, when it comes to video for me, if I make something and I like it, then that's good enough. Then I have an audience of one that liked it and all the other billions of people on the planet, if they don't like it, that's okay too, because I like it. This is my stuff. This is my thing. When I post a video on Instagram, I like it. If other people, of course, I like it when other people like it. I want other people to like it. But if they don't, you know, my happiness is not tied to whether they like it or not. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's not going to make you start or stop something you're doing based on that engagement. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you say that too, because it really, you don't need yeah, yourself like it. But if one other person likes it, that's uh, quite a bit of feedback to know that you're at least saying something that's being received by the world, you know, that's huge. Of course, so, I want people to yeah. like my stuff. So if you're watching this and you take a look at my stuff, <laughs> click like, because I need it. <laughs> yeah. And your stuff is easy to like because it's highly <laughs> engaging. And it's clear, though. It's very clear. You, 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 you. But that's what I think draws me to what you do so well is because you convey yourself in a way that's clear. And a lot of people don't do that. It's there's there's a lot of like stuff wrapped up in it. And then I'm just like, just get to the point, you know, get to the point of what you're trying to convey. And you convey your points so clearly right across the board and on something like social media that makes it really easy to understand. If if anybody wants advice about doing video or is afraid to get on camera, just just do it. You don't have to be perfect. What you're going to struggle with is, uh, do I do I look okay? Like I'm old, I got wrinkled. Well, this is me. My my inner critic is, oh, you're old. You're, 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 <laughs> you're not. I say all kinds of negative things to myself, yeah. but actually it isn't how you look that's the most important thing. So we want to show people our face, but if you Oh, here, here's the actual expression is that if you show people your heart, you don't have to worry about your face. So just get out there, share your heart with people, and then they're going to love what you do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Ooh. is helpful. Yeah. That is a, that is a mic drop. So 
That is, that is incredible. Um, it just, just, I'm like, it's like, I'm going to get that tattooed on me wrong. Why would you say it? So you've maybe already addressed this really, but like one of the things I wanted to ask you is why is public speaking so scary in your opinion? I'd say there, there are really three things. The number one is people don't believe in themselves. So no self-belief. And then the second one is no skills. People just skills not, to- not, yeah. People are not skilled at presenting and then they don't. Presentation is not important for most people until the day before they need to give an important presentation. So the first thing was that no self-belief, then no skills. And then the third one is no preparation or low preparation. So this is why it's scary. It's because people don't believe in themselves. They're nervous. Then they don't develop their skills until it's too late. It's like they put it off, put it off, put it off. If you want to if you want to win a gold medal in the Olympics for ice skating, you don't throw your ice skates on like the day before. So what I would strongly encourage people to do is develop your skills before you need them. And the way we develop our skills is little by little by getting in front of an audience, doing some things right, making some mistakes and then improving. So it's kind of like the the loop is most people don't develop those skills because they don't think it's important. Then also they're fearful, so they avoid it. So fear leads to inaction. Inaction leads to inexperience. Inexperience leads to inability. And then you're just stuck with fear. I've seen many people who have had huge opportunities to present. Uh, for example, one of my, one of my, one of my friends uh, was working for LG Electronics and had the opportunity to speak to a good presentation in front of the CEO and she bombed. She just did a terrible job because she didn't develop her skills before the opportunity came. And what would that have looked like prepping ahead of time, like giving talks maybe on a smaller, low stress type of stage, that kind of thing? Sure. Like it's important to develop your, as I mentioned before, it's important to develop your skills before you need them. You're not going to develop them overnight it's not just going to happen. You, the, the vast majority or the average presenter is awful. The average presenter is awful. Like we're, we're all awful. Everybody sucks for the most part. So it takes time. They're awful because they're boring. Polished. And mm, uh, they're boring because they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> and, but if, <laughs> do you think also, but like part of it has to do with belief too, because uh, like you said, because if they are really passionate about something they're talking about, that makes the presentation better, right? Yes. I coached many, many doctors in, in Korea and most doctors, they're good at their profession, but they're not good at giving a persuasive presentation. But if they have desire, commitment, and belief then in a short time, we can transform them because they're, they're highly motivated to win a specific or presentation bid. So they have an objective in their mind. If they have desire, then <clears throat> they, they want to win. So I like to ask them, do you want to win this bid? Yes. Uh, do, are you willing to work hard? Yes. Are we going to win? Yes. So the first question is the uh, desire or do you want to win? If you want to win and in your mind, it's yes. And then commitment, you're willing to work hard. And then belief, are we going to win? Yes, yes, yes. We have yes in our own brain first. 
we want to we want to believe in our own mind yes 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 and then we transfer our yes to the mind of our audience so when we're trying to persuade other people so we believe first we believe our message we believe that hey if you come here to korea this is going to be the best thing for you and us too it's a win win so we're going to give you what you want and then you give us what we want that is huge and i'm thinking too about the entrepreneur out there that maybe is creating an online course or a live presentation that they're going to give to their audience it really starts and and correct me or add if if here but like having the belief of the transformation that you want to give your audience if you're teaching them something it's really about starting out with the desire of what they're going to become focusing on the result is that correct I I like that you said if if you're going to teach somebody something, if you have an online course that you're going to sell to people, the the purpose of that course is to make their life better, mm-hmm. right? Every yep, course yep. that you you prepare for a group of people, it's to make their life better. And then if you if you I have something that a tool that I used in my coaching. So we talked about the positive presentation method, which is positive presenter, positive content, positive delivery equals positive result. Another thing I developed is called the five steps to connect and win. So if you want to connect with your audience, the first step is they have to be interested. What are people interested in? They're interested in improvement. So step one is interest. The second one is understanding. They have to understand. We have to. So if we're interested in our topic, if we understand our topic, those are the first two. The third one is belief. Interest, understanding, belief. And then the fourth one is agreement. Mm. The fifth one is action. So five steps to connect and win. If we can lead our audience through all five steps, we can win. We can achieve our objectives. But Usually presentations, persuasive presentations in particular, break down in one of those steps. So let's say that they're interested, they understand, but they don't believe, then you lose. So anywhere along the way in the five steps, if you're trying to persuade, then if there's a break in the connection, you lose. So to me, to connect with your audience, there are five steps. I'll go over them one more time. Interest, understanding, belief, agreement, and then action. And those would go, those are in specific order. So they go from one thing to the next. Yeah. It's on the one hand, it's linear. We we think of it in a, in a linear way so that we can evaluate what we're creating. And then also that happens simultaneously. So for example, they, they're interested, understand, and believe at the same time. And then we're creating agreement from beginning to end. From the beginning of the time when we start speaking until we finish, we want to create agreement on every point. So we have to predict in advance, if I say or show this, are they going to agree or are they going to reject it? Are they going to agree or reject? So that's why it's vitally important to use these five steps to see where there's a breaking in a connection. But when we start to eliminate all the things that we may be doing wrong or that we, are, we might do wrong if we don't fix it, then we can win. That's why the five steps to connect and win is very, very important. And, and it's, it's easy. Like my brain would want to go um, always three steps ahead. So if I'm getting their agreement and they're like, well, maybe their objections start popping up of, well, but what about this? Did you think about this? If I'm teaching someone something, let's just say how to podcast. And they're like, well, I don't have enough time or these objections start popping up. 
Do you think about those ahead of time, what their objections are, and include that into the agreement portion? Yes, we, yeah, we want to eliminate, we want to I- eliminate anything that they're going to say no to. If we can predict or any, anything that creates, so if we expand our, expand our definition of agreement, disagreement, we can think of if they disagree, then they reject us. So things that can cause rejection are, is it boring? Is it confusing? So step one is interest. The opposite of interest is boredom. And the opposite of understanding is confusion. So with the positive presentation method, we are eliminating negativity, boredom, confusion, disagreement, disbelief. And then if we, when, when we are creating the content in the content creation process, we just predict in advance. Hey, if, I, if we show them this slide, is this a positive or a negative stimulus? Is this positive? How can we make it more positive? So if we start with our audience being like here, and then they take off on this positive emotional rocket launch, and the, by the time you get to the end, then everybody's, yes! <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Do you think, especially for like doctors or something, maybe they have to show, do you avoid any negative stimuli on the slides? Uh, Here's the thing is, what do people prefer? Do people prefer positive or negative? Positive. People prefer, but so this is kind of a nuanced thing because sometimes we can say something negative. If If we say something that creates a positive result, then that negative thing is actually positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an example would be like, oh, if you just talk about how awesome you are and how many great things that you've done, you say a lot of positive things about yourself, but it can lead to a negative result because people, they feel negative about you. But if you share your struggle, which is, you know, on the surface appears to be a negative, actually it leads to a positive result. So that's why we have to be careful about, you know, what we consider positive or negative stimuli. So if it leads to positive result, it's positive. If it leads to, you know, if if it appears to be positive, but it leads to negative, then it's negative. Mm. Makes sense. And I don't know if I said that clearly enough, though. That makes sense, though, because it's it's kind of like you could think you're conveying yourself in a positive way, but your audience might maybe feel worse about themselves in a negative way, too, generally speaking, right? If you were uh, this, maybe sharing your story or something, and it's quite, I would say embellished, but very so unreal where it's you're the only person in the world that could identify with this thing. People might feel maybe negative about themselves if it's not, if I don't know if it's maybe far-fetched or something, if that makes sense. Well, it makes sense. The thing is, is that we have to recognize that everything we say, show and do is a stimulus that's going to make our audience either feel positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And people prefer to feel positive. If we can make them feel great about our ideas, then we can win. If they feel any kind of uncertainty, boredom, confusion, those kinds of things lead to us being rejected. We don't want to be rejected. So my, my position is the more positive we can make it, the better. And some simple examples of this might be, let's say that you give a talk in, uh, you're, you're, you're giving a talk in Korea and you have a slide deck. And then in that slide deck is a bunch of, of photographs of people who are not Korean. 
if you change all the photos to Korean people, then it's going to be more positive for them because they feel connected to it. And then if you take that presentation that you gave in Korea and then you go to Uganda or South Africa or something like that, you should change the photos too so that you can make a stronger connection with the people that you're speaking with. So showing uh, uh, that might be a point for people to reject. Like they see it, they're like, that's not me. That doesn't represent like who I am or our country. So then if we, if we share things with people that we know, stimulate them in a positive way, that serve them, then it's more likely that we can win. Another thing would be sometimes we inadvertently with our phraseology or our questions, we start building up no in the, in the audience's mind. A simple example would be, uh, let's say you ask a group of 60 people, have you ever been to Hawaii? We can predict with relative accuracy that a lot of people in the audience will say no. So then we got this audience of people out there and then some of them, maybe a few have yes in their mind, and then others have no in their mind. But instead of asking, have you ever been to Hawaii? What, what, what could we ask instead? Could say, have you ever, have you ever, I'm thinking like of a, some peaceful, uh, like the archetype of Hawaii, like a peaceful destination. How about this? Um, you could say, instead of, have you, have you ever been to Hawaii? We can predict many people will say no. Instead of that, say, would you like to visit Hawaii? Boom. Now we yeah. got majority of the people have yes in their brain. So then from start to finish, if we capture the whole audience and we have in their brains, yes, 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 yes. Accept our proposal. Yes. That is genius. Yeah. And then another thing would be when we're giving a persuasive presentation, generally there are requirements that the audience has, like they require A, B, C, and D. And then in your presentation, it can be organized, organized around what they want, what their requirements are. So you say, do we have A? Yes, we do. Do we have B? Yes. Do we have C? Yes. Do we have D? Yes. So we got yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm saying yes. Yeah. While we're on the yes train, mm. how can people work with you, Ron? Okay, send me a DM at ron.cahoon on Instagram. C A, oh, let's spell it out for everybody. R O N period C A H O O N. That's correct. On Instagram and follow Ron for consistent, amazing content if you want to be inspired. Everyone's saying yes to that. Thank um, you for the invite, Dylan. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I, my brain is uh, inspired with all of, all of so much right now, and I'm like, I, I now I want to go make content because I want to use, <laughs> I want to use what you just said, and I want to prepare my content better. But I think everyone uh, listening will be able to use this in some form or another because it looks different for everybody, right? It's not always giving a presentation at the front of the room. It could be like I'm saying, like a live, you know, live presentation right. or just video content in general. Like the things, everything you shared is just like something, something. How pure gold, baby. Pure gold. <laughs> pure gold. Wow. You know? Yeah. yeah if, if, if anybody has watched this and if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. Let me know. My mama says I got a heart of gold. I'm willing to help you. So and it shines. I'm going to go be going back through this episode and like 
writing down. I didn't want to take notes while you were talking, so I could just stick with what you were saying, but you mm-hmm. dropped so many gems. Also, that one about the heart, uh, speaking with your heart, you don't have to worry about the face. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's beautiful. That's, that, it remind, that's like the nicer version of you've got a <laughs> no, face for radio. I have to <laughs> confess, I, I came up with that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Thank you so yeah. much, Ron. How great was that conversation with Ron? Am I right? Ron has such a big heart and it comes across in his message, in his coaching, in his teaching. That's what one of the things I love most about Ron. So make sure to check the show notes for everything Ron so you can follow him and check out what he's doing. His Instagram reels are hilarious when he does like different characters. Just uh, the other day he was uh, Shrek. He's been Vin Diesel, Fast and the Furious. It's it's comedy and you got to check it out. It's so good. Um, so thank you again, Ron, for coming on. And uh, if you're interested in starting a podcast this year, uh, make sure to check the show notes for that or go to www.digitalpodcaster.com. Uh, my specialty is helping people with their podcast, simplifying the whole process. I believe if you want to start or grow a podcast, one of the key functions you have to do is step into the host seat and be the best host you can be. And part of being the best host you can be is getting help with your podcast. And people think that's really expensive or they think it's, you know, this whole thing then they have to manage. That's why I created Podcast Pro to take that off your plate because I know podcasts. I know what you need to do. I know all that good stuff. So try to make it as simple as possible for you and take the uh, heavy lifting when it comes to the technical work of podcasting off your plate so you can focus on what will move the needle the most. And oftentimes that's offloading certain tasks and focusing on what you can do best, like talking about different topics and hitting the record button, because that's what's going to move the needle the most. So check out the show notes for that or go to digitalpodcaster.com. And I hope you're having a great start to your year so far. If there's anything I can help with, let me know. If there's anything you'd like me to specifically cover on the show, please email me hello at digitalpodcaster.com. If there's someone that you think would be a great guest, please let me know too. Just email me and I'll talk to you soon.